Catch us on the web at english.rti.org.tw. Thank you so much for joining us here today at Radio Taiwan International. I'm Andrew Ryan coming to you from Taipei, Taiwan. Coming up this hour, we're going to have for you Book of Odes with Charlie Storer. We're also going to have Status Update with John and Shirley. That's the program in which we interact with you, the listener. So, first though, to kick things off, we have Here in Taiwan. Today is Tuesday, November 27th, and you're listening to Here in Taiwan on Radio Taiwan International. In the studio today, we have Natalie So. Hello. Jake Chen. Hello. I am, once again, Andrew Ryan. In today's program, uh, we're still dealing with some post-election stress. In fact, if you want, you can check out our Facebook page. We have posted a video of us uh, dealing with a little post-election stress. We posted it yesterday. Uh, it'll give you a little idea of <laughs> how stressful we are. <laughs> how stressful it is. Uh, we're going to give you some ways to deal with this stress. Also, Mayor Ko, Ko, Ko and uh, we're going to tell you about uh, the mayor who never sleeps, something his wife said to him before the elections. Uh, and also, uh, we're going to finish off with a story of big money. That's that's a story to cheer us up, I guess. <laughs> Dream big, right? Yep. All that and more in today's Here in Taiwan. Don't go away. All right. So, uh... You know, this is my first time back on the air after the elections on Saturday. Um, I was here at Radio Taiwan International until 2.30 in the morning. That's crazy. Well, actually more, it was like 2 in the morning, a little close to 2 in the morning. We had some really long counts that day. Uh, we were assuming that, uh, you know, because the polls closed at 4 p.m., so we would start getting results maybe around 6 or 7 uh, and then they did tell us that the referendum results would not be available until probably like 2 o'clock in the morning. But by, I would say, 9 or 10, we were pretty clear on which of the referenda were going to pass and which ones were not going to pass. But it was the candidates that really surprised us, especially here in Taipei City. Right. Taipei City was the longest count of all the races in Taiwan. Most of the candidates had either uh, conceded or... Uh, the official results, um, or, or, you know, close enough results had been announced by around 9 o'clock to wrap those up uh, at, at the very latest. But the race for Taipei Mayor, which was a hotly contested race, it was a race between three different candidates with their own supporters. Um, that race wasn't tallied and done and dusted until about 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, so I actually was here at Radio Taiwan International until... About 1.30 a.m., I think we posted our last story. Um, everybody had left. I was just doing some cleanup work, and then I decided to hop on my scooter and go back home. It takes about half an hour to get home. By the time I got home around 2, um, I noticed that uh, both of the main candidates for mayor were speaking and had spoke or had spoken, and uh, it turned out that all of the uh, polls, all of the stations had reported 
um, their tallies and that Mayor Cole, the incumbent and independent, he was ahead by more than 3,000 votes. But I had an idea it was going to happen. Do you know why I knew that was going to be the way it was? Why? Because I drove by the campaign headquarters. I totally didn't realize I was going to do this. But my route takes me past the campaign headquarters for one of the candidates, which was uh, Ding Shouzhong for the KMT. Uh, he, his campaign, I guess, headquarters are right next to the, the road I go down to go home and I saw these people sitting in a park and I was like, that's kind of weird. Why are people sitting in a park in the middle of the night <laughs> and looking dejected? And then I realized that they were all, they had all walked out of there Aww. and people, it was really quiet. It was super eerie. It was, it was almost like one of those like, a zombie. <laughs> Someone died or something. <laughs> right. yeah. Their dreams died. Yeah, yeah, their dreams definitely died that night. So, I mean, it was definitely a dramatic race. I was watching the tallies throughout the afternoon um, or into the evening Every couple of minutes, it would switch between the two main candidates. So, Ko Wenze and Ding Shouzhong. Ko Wenze, again, the independent. Ding Shouzhong, the, the KMT um, candidate. The DPP candidate, the ruling party, uh, Pasuya Yao, he actually um, only got like 17% of the vote, but he cut into Mayor Ko's vote. Because originally, the DPP last time did not field a candidate because it was thought that Ko Wenze would be very close to DPP policies. But then they decided last minute to field their own candidate, and it almost hurt his chances for re-election. Now, the vote is being contested. Actually, I guess what they're saying is they're, they're calling for a vote of no confidence against the election for Taipei mayor. But that's going to be probably followed up in the courts. Um, I don't think it's going to be successful. Do I you don't guys? think so. And, Neither you know, I. if you're just going to contest this election, then you have to contest everything that happened, right? Yeah, because there were a lot of irregularities that were reported at many of the polls around Taiwan. I think the main thing, his main case is that a lot of people were still in line because as long as you showed up at the polls by 4 p.m., they let you vote. However, the news channel started to report on the counts. The count had already started, so people were looking at them on their cell phone and they thought that if people knew, as they were standing in line, a lot of the Pasuya Yao votes would realize he was going to lose big and then just throw their votes to uh, the incumbent, to Ku. It's possible. Yeah, yeah it, it is quite possible. But it, it's not like it was planned. No. Uh, I yeah, think. <laughs> but I think reporting uh, the tallying of the votes was a major no-no that was mentioned in 2004 U.S. election. Uh, I think when Fox News released numbers on Bush at the time, yeah, that was quite an issue, I remember. Well, I mean, in Taiwan, the election laws are extremely rigorous, so you're not even allowed to release a poll, like an opinion poll in the run-up to the votes right? Um, to actually have like ballots, right, tallied ballots ridiculous. released while people are still standing in line to vote seems like a really, really that's big problem. That's why the chairman of the Central Election Commission had to resign. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everybody was just, upset about the situation. He could have done better. Too much of a mess he up. He could have, yeah. yeah, arranged more polling booths. Yeah. Well, I mean, to, to be fair, this is the first time we had the 10 referenda, and I don't think people are realized how popular that was going to be. And like how long a, it takes to do it. I mean, you have to read each question carefully. And, and it's it takes a long time. Confusing. It's, it's much longer than voting for someone. Now, did you get to vote? I do. I and do vote. So you took 10 separate pieces of paper for the 10 referenda, right? Right. And you have to register twice. One to Once to vote for candidates, you go into a booth and you go through the line. And then after you do those ballots, three ballots, then you go to a new line to do the referendum. 
And then once you're done with the referendum, like you can choose how many of those pieces of paper you want. You then have three ballot boxes to put your referenda papers right. in. They're, they're labeled by numbers. So, so you have like, to put them in the right boxes. It'd be like eight through 12. Is in and, this box, or, or, right? Or, yeah. And so then, you have okay. to, there's a lot of work involved. <laughs> a lot of room for error too, because I saw a huge number of the votes for the referendum or the referenda were invalidated. No, oh, really? Huge numbers, like hundreds of thousands of them, um, up to almost close to a million in some of the cases. Wow. Yeah. So at, if your total number of people voting is 10 million and a tenth That's of them. That's not good. Yeah. That's like 10% so, of the total well, I vote. I think it's the first time everybody's learning, right? Yeah. Big learning curve here. It'll be interesting to see whether or not they change the referendum laws after that. Um, so all of that lead up is actually to tell you about a story about <laughs> post-election stress. Um, you have some ways there that people can deal with post-election stress. Is that correct, Jake? Yeah. Um, there are doctors um, around hospitals in Taipei who have reported that they've seen like a very high number of voters, especially young first-time referenda voters who came to the hospital because they legitimately could not function. Like, mm-hmm. not as, serious? Not as a joke. They legitimately couldn't get back to work. It was just too stressful for them. Uh, and um, they some of them have gotten into fights with members of the family. Oh, wow. Uh, some of them have have uh, just you know it's just it's almost like a withdrawal symptom right now so now that all the 24-hour coverage has stopped they have nothing to to sort of hang on to well i think we also have to remember here too that what we've done is essentially we have rekindled the fires of some of the most divisive questions in taiwan yes That's some true. questions which have drawn huge protests in the past like nuclear energy was a huge protest of course we have the the, the same-sex marriage which the legalization has yep. had huge protests on both sides of that issue um and also uh the the issue issue of what Taiwan's name at the Olympics and other international sporting events should be because it's Chinese Taipei now, yeah. but people were advocating a change to the name Taiwan, which, you know, some people could construe as being some sort of independence movement um, or, or whatnot. Of course, we can debate the validity of the questions and the um, whether or not these referenda are binding or not, or whether it's actually going to be any big change. You know, some people are just saying it's the most expensive opinion poll that we've ever had in Taiwan history, but it won't really actually have an effect. All that of is, that can be debated. That is one way to look at it. <laughs> but I think for now, let's just focus on uh, the stress and, and, and what, what people are reporting and, and if maybe we have some ways to deal with that. I know later on in today's uh, One More Thing, we're actually going to talk about one of the big ways, which is getting off social media. Yep. <laughs> but we won't touch on that quite yet. Right. So uh, for now, uh, the doctors has have advised uh, four steps. I think we've just taken on the first step, which is find a healthy way to release some of the st- uh, some of the stress that you feel. Uh, if it's cr- crying... <laughs> Check out our video again. <laughs> yes, yes. Please... Hit uh, yourself up with a head. <laughs> head. Head over, you know, to our Facebook page. So if you... If, and don't feel guilty about it. If you feel like crying or eating mm-hmm. a lot or just, you know, you know, talking to somebody for five hours, find a way to do that because mm-hmm. letting out the remainder of that emotional sort of stress in your system is very important. Okay, and what are the other three really quickly? Right. Step two, um, find a meaning in all, in all this. Find a, a positive way to look at the outcome. Frame it, yes. Yeah, frame it. And uh, number three, this is universal, practice uh, appreciation. Uh, mm. there, there are still people around in reality around you that, that you know, words. So thank people in person. Keep a gratitude journal. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And uh, number four, be practical and find out the little things you can do in your own life to make things just a, a little bit better. 
Mm. Yeah, I like that. Number Things four. Things you can control, right? Yeah. Yes. You can't control absolutely. the referendum, but you can control yourself a little bit. Yeah. Can you know <laughs> to have control over your own life and some of the little elements, the moving pieces in your own life is invaluable. Yeah. At times of stress or otherwise. All right, moving on to Mayor Ku, who squeaked by with that victory on Saturday night. Tell us about uh, his interaction with his wife. Well, um, you know, just as you said, they didn't find out who won until like two or three in the morning. So she was a little tired during that wait. I'm sure everybody was a little tired. Yes. <laughs> uh, but he took her back to his office right at City Hall. And right next to his office, there is a bed where you can sleep. Or rest. And then he said, I've never used that bed. Wow. So he's been so, there for four full yeah, years. Yeah. And uh, he's been working at seven days a week, about 16 hours a day. And, you know, he's also, one thing I appreciate about him is he's very frugal. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, you know, he doesn't have a personal driver. He doesn't want to um, waste money. So he goes to work on public transportation. Still. That's yeah. amazing. That's and, what a guy. And, you know, he's done a lot of things like that. He's saved the city $52 billion, NT dollars. You're kidding me. About $2 billion U.S. dollars. He's pretty good so, with finances, I mean, he's yeah. cut out, like, all these extra spending. entertainment, mm. you know, spending that city officials like to do. And everything he <laughs> thinks is not necessary, he cuts it out. A doctor by training, he's used that surgeon's Very scalpel. Pr- okay, yeah, really? <laughs> on the to, budget. To I mean, cut on out the, all the fat. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, he was asked, so are you going to do a thank you tour? What for? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. most of the candidates will drive around the city, yeah. um, you know, to thank their uh, Well, he has work voters. to do, right? He's, <laughs> he's the mayor already. So. Yeah, back in the office. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We, well, I do admire him for that. I have to say that. Um, All right, very quickly at the end of today's program, we're going to, as promised, leave you with a story of big money. Money, money, money. Yes. You know, every two months, we have the chance to win the lottery uh, with our receipts in Taiwan. And four of 7-Eleven customers won $10 million NT dollars. What? And they only bought from 45 NT dollar to 180 NT dollar items. So that's like 300000 US dollars? Yes. Wow. So, so those little receipts, those small purchases, they can add up as long as your receipt number has the correct number on it. Right. We yep. should check them out. If you didn't check yours yet, check Ooh. it out. So maybe yeah. it's me. Could be you. And yours truly. Hey, I mean, there's still more winners out there. <laughs> Recently so. won 1,000, which is 33 bucks US. So. Go, it's Jake. Not too bad. Yeah. Share the not wealth. Too shabby. Yeah. Don't forget your coworkers. <laughs> Will do. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us for today's Here in Taiwan. I'm Andrew Ryan. I'm Natalie So. And I'm Jake Chen. Book of Odes. I'm Charlie Storer. In a change of pace this week, we're going back to the world of classical Chinese poetry, to the celebrated collection of 300 Tang poems, for this long poem by Bai Juyi, whose famous work Song of Everlasting Sorrow I read on the show over a year ago. Bai Juyi lived from 772 to 846 Common Era during the Middle Tang period. 
a scholar official. In the middle part of his career, he managed to get himself banished from the capital by writing to the emperor in a manner deemed inappropriate. His punishment was to be sent to a remote posting in the small river town of Zhoujiang. It was here, as he explains in his introduction, that he wrote the long poem, The Song of a Guitar. In the tenth year of Yuanhe, I was banished and demoted to be assistant official in Zhoujiang. In the summer of the next year, I was seeing a friend leave Penpu and heard in the midnight from a neighbouring boat a guitar played in the manor of the capital. Upon inquiry, I found that the player had formerly been a dancing girl there and in her maturity had been married to a merchant. I invited her to my boat to have her play for us. She told me her story, heyday and then unhappiness. Since my departure from the capital, I had not felt sad. But that night, after I left her, I began to realise my banishment. And I wrote this long poem, 612 characters. I was bidding a guest farewell, at night on the Shunyang River, where maple leaves and full-grown rushes rustled in the autumn. I, the host, had dismounted, My guest had boarded his boat, and we raised our cups and wished to drink. But alas, there was no music. For all we had drunk, we felt no joy, and were parting from each other. When the river widened mysteriously toward the full moon, we had heard a sudden sound, a guitar across the water. Host forgot to turn back home, and guest to go his way. We followed where the melody led and asked the player's name. The sound broke off. Then reluctantly she answered. We moved our boat near hers, invited her to join us, summoned more wine and lanterns to recommence our banquet. Yet we called and urged a thousand times before she started toward us, still hiding half her face from us behind her guitar. She turned the tuning pegs and tested several strings. We could feel what she was feeling even before she played. Each string a meditation, each note a deep thought, as if she were telling us the ache of her whole life. She knit her brows, flexed her fingers, then began her music. Little by little, letting her heart share everything with ours. She brushed the strings, twisted them slow, swept them, plucked them. First the air of the rainbow skirt, then the six little ones. The large strings hummed like rain. The small strings whispered like a secret hummed, whispered, and then were intermingled, like a pouring of large and small pearls into a plate of jade. We heard an aureole, liquid, hidden among flowers. We heard a brook bitterly sob along a bank of sand. By the checking of its cold touch, 
The very string seemed broken, as though it could not pass, and the notes, dying away into a depth of sorrow and concealment of lament, told even more in silence than they had told in sound. A silver vase abruptly broke with a gush of water, and out leapt armoured horses and weapons that clashed and smote, and before she laid her pick down, she ended with one stroke, and all four strings made one sound as of rending silk. There was quiet in the east boat, and quiet in the west, and we saw the white autumnal moon enter the river's heart. When she had slowly placed the pick back among the strings, she rose and smoothed her clothing, and, formal, courteous, told us how she had spent her girlhood at the capital, living in her parents' house under the Mount of Toads, and had mastered the guitar at the age of thirteen, with her name recorded first in the class roll of musicians, her art the admiration even of experts, her beauty the envy of all the leading dancers, how noble youths of Wuling had lavishly competed and numberless red rolls of silk been given for one song and silver combs with shell inlay been snapped by her rhythms, and skirts the colour of blood been spoiled with stains of wine. Season after season, joy had followed joy. Autumn moons and spring winds had passed without her heeding, till first her brother left for the war, and then her aunt died. And evenings went, and evenings came, and her beauty faded, with ever fewer chariots and horses at her door, so that finally she gave herself as wife to a merchant, who, prizing money first, careless how he left her, had gone, a month before, to Fuliang to buy tea, and she had been tending an empty boat at the river's mouth, no company but the bright moon and the cold water. And sometimes in the deep of night she would dream of her triumphs and be wakened from her dreams by the scalding of her tears. Her very first guitar note had started me sighing. Now, having heard her story, I was sadder still. We are both unhappy to the sky's end. We meet we understand. What does acquaintance matter? I came a year ago away from the capital, and am now a sick exile here in Zhoujiang. And so remote is Zhoujiang that I have heard no music, neither string nor bamboo, for a whole year. My quarters near the river town are low and damp with bitter reeds and yellowed rushes all about the house. And what is to be heard here, morning and evening? The bleeding cry of cuckoos, the whimpering of apes. On flowery spring mornings and moonlit autumn nights, I have often taken wine up 
and drunk it all alone. Of course there are the mountain songs and the village pipes, but they are crude and strident and great on my ears. And tonight, when I heard you playing your guitar, I felt as if my hearing were bright with fairy music. Do not leave us. Come, sit down. Play for us again. And I will write a long song concerning a guitar. Moved by what I said, she stood there for a moment, then sat again to her strings, and they sounded even sadder, although the tunes were different from those she had played before. The feasters, all listening, covered their faces. But who of them all was crying the most? This Jojang official. My blue sleeve was wet. This is Radio Taiwan International. This is Status Update. Hello, you've just tuned in to Status Update. I'm Shirley Lin. I'm John Van Trieste. Yes, we'll be getting to your letters and your Facebook comments, and we'll be announcing the number one of the Taiwan Top Ten list for the month. And um, in the meantime, let's update our status here. So, John, what have you been up to? Oh, well, we just had the Thanksgiving last week, didn't we? Well, by we, I mean I did. <laughs> yeah, I did too, except, I mean, there was no turkey or anything like that. But it was a very thankful week for us. Really? <laughs> a thankful moment, what yeah. What are you thankful for, Shirley? Well, I'm thankful for the whole year um, for just, uh, you know, this group of friends that we've been sticking together and... Um, Promoting my husband's uh, braised beef, remember? Oh, that's right. He, I didn't know he was still doing that. Yes. Um, well, the, the thing is, um, we haven't been getting a lot of orders lately, though. But it's been one year hmm. because we started on Thanksgiving Day um, the year before. Okay. And so it was a, a, a great moment to just come together and be thankful, yes. Well, I and reminisce we on the group moments. Yes, let's let our uh, listeners around the world know. Uh, of course, I'm from the United States where we celebrate Thanksgiving in this time of year. And you're very Americanized Taiwanese. You went to school in the, in the States, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, it's not a Taiwanese holiday by any stretch of the imagination. But what surprised me was how many places you could get uh, sort of traditional American Thanksgiving fare here, actually. You're talking about Turkey? No, I didn't do turkey either. Uh, yeah, okay. I had a vegetarian but, Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. But, um, That's healthy. I'm talking about, like, uh, pie and things like that. Oh, well, talking about a pie, I mean, Natalie brought us some pie, right? Right, right. Pumpkin pie and pecan pie and apple pie. So Yum. I'm just surprised at how international Taiwan is like this, because, I mean, at the end of October, we were there was a lot of, like, Bavarian stuff as well, Oktoberfest, you know? Oh, and, yeah. And, um... So no matter where you're from and no matter what time of year, you can find usually seasonal things from where you're from somewhere here in Taiwan. We're very international here. We really have gotten there for the last, what, 20, 30 years maybe? So, so anyways, we had a very vegetarian, healthy Thanksgiving dinner. It was nice, you know, to gather around and because and, uh, I haven't done it in a long time and just Aww. feel a little bit thankful about something. Yeah. Know? Thankful to be here with all of you. Well, that's good. Well, I mean, probably it's been a while since you've been home to spend Thanksgiving with your family. but <sighs> About seven you, years? Maybe? Oh, whoa. But you are actually going home at the end of the year. Yeah, I'm getting ready for that. Oh, good. So actually you get to spend some like a final countdown. 
We're uh, in the home stretch here. Yes. Okay, great. How are you preparing for that? Mostly just trying not to get sick. I have sort of my little facial mask on right now. <laughs> I'm not sure how we're going to hold out, but I am also, for the first time since I've been here, trying to get a flu shot as well, because I've heard that uh, even if you don't get sick yourself, I don't want to bring anything weird back here, you know, any of my <laughs> North American diseases. Uh, we did a video recently about the government encouraging people to get them uh, in Taiwan. But uh, I've been like put on a wait list, basically. Wow. I, don't, I don't know when it's going to get one. Did you ever get one before? No, Flu it's shot? my first time. Oh, um, okay. But I just, I saw all these flyers in my neighborhood for them and thought, well, I'm going to be, you know, out and about, even though, you know, I'm not a senior citizen or <laughs> under the age of 12 or whatever. Uh, it still seems like a, just a smart thing to get done. But I didn't realize how difficult it was. I had to yeah. go to like three different places. And then the first one told me I couldn't get one at all because I wasn't over the age of 50. Oh. But then the second place seemed happy enough to take my money. Oh, okay. But they said that uh, it's unclear when they'll have any in stock. So so they took your I, money already. So I you're... paid for something, but I don't know. They said, we'll call okay. you. And who knows what, whether that will happen or not. Well, it better happen before you get on the plane. I hope so. <laughs> I just, uh, you know. Oh, wow. Well, it's just all... Do lots of hand washing for now, I guess. Okay. Well, very considerate, John, and consider other I've people my, and also taking care of himself. My face mask. <laughs> yes, we're going to have a muffled um, broadcast today. <laughs> no, I, I'm just putting it on for effect right now. Okay. Well, anyway, let's get to our listeners' letters. What do you think? All right, let's go. Yeah, so um, we'd love to hear from you. Even like, you know, you can tell us how the winter is, you know, proceeding uh, in your in your country. Or, or not, but um, write us. And also, let us know what you think about our programs. And uh, please write us at P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or you can reach us by email. Our address is rti at rti.org.tw. Of course, we love to see your Facebook comments as well, so please keep those coming our way too. That is right. And this first letter is coming to us from Ellen Holder of England. It says, Dear, dear friends, I hope you're all in good health. Thanks to Shirley and John for answering my question about earthquake drills in Taiwan on a recent status update show. Oh, we had two more earthquakes, actually. There's another status update. Uh, uh, in, I think it was, was it last early last week? There was two yeah. late one night, wasn't there? Not, not too big, but yes, I did feel it. Oh, I heard a crash and I, <laughs> I jumped. Oh, but okay. unfortunately, nothing too bad. All right. And the letter goes on. It seems that Taiwan differs markedly from Japan, which is the most earthquake-prepared country on the planet. Yes, I know. I've lived there before. I believe that all smartphones in Japan have an earthquake slash tsunami alert system installed. Oh, we do as well. Um, yeah, we do. The, but I wish this was better. I, it only it usually kicks in after the earthquake or in the middle of it. So, uh, or just only a few seconds before it. Actually, mean, it's after earthquake. I, yeah. I've had it happen like, I was like, well, we know. Like, <laughs> thanks for letting us know now. But I guess it's, I mean, it happens so quickly. Yeah. It's hard to get sure. it out there in time. Yep. On last week's status update, I was quite horrified to hear about John's experience with termites. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been wondering about that. How's that coming? Um, no sign of them yet, but they will be back, I'm sure of it. So Aww, we'll see what happens okay. in the spring if we may need to move somewhere else. So John's experience with termites steadily eating away the woodwork and even some books in his apartment. Fortunately, termites are rare in the UK, but there have been occasional introductions in imported goods. I remember having a problem with woodworm in my house some years ago, which I recall was quite stressful. Luckily, it was only a small infestation, and I dealt with it myself. Most of the furniture in my house tends to be laminate-faced chipboard. The floors are carpeted, and there's no bare wood showing, so woodworm do not get much chance to take, mm. take hold. Carpeting in Taiwan... 
Um, <laughs> uh, not maybe the. I know. Not, not here. It wouldn't hold up very well to Yes, because it's humid weather. here. Yes. Yeah. Meanwhile, Status Update has been featuring top 10 about the Taiwanese elections. I was intrigued to learn that candidates' faces often appear on items such as packs of tissues or stationery. I can't imagine that ever happening in the UK. At election times in my country, it is not uncommon for people to display their political affiliation by putting up posters in the windows saying they support a particular particular party or candidate. Does this happen in Taiwan? Not as much, don't you think? Well, hold on just a second. Oh, we will okay. be getting to that actually. Well, yeah, later I mean, today. not in front of people's home, uh, windows. Have you? Oh, no, um, no, no, no. We'll talk about that. No, yeah, we'll get there. Actually, get there. we have a little segment about that coming right up. <laughs> right. Some of your other programs which I enjoyed recently include Chinese Culture 101, which gave a very interesting account of the lacquerware on display at the National Palace Museum. I'm curious, John, it was great to hear about Kahabu people and learn about their folklore, customs, and music. Your newscasts are very comprehensive, and I have noticed a slight change in that, in addition to the main presenter, some of the news reports are read out by other members of your team. I think that including more than one newsreader improves the overall presentation. I continue to appreciate Eye on China. A recent program talked about the U.S. introduction of the Taipei Act, which aims to support the ROC by downgrading ties with countries that break diplomatic relations with Taiwan in favor of mainland China. It was interesting to hear how this might impact um, relations between the U.S. and Beijing. J-Bells and Bamboo Pipes continues to offer great musical selections. This week's program featured Elsa Huang playing the hammer dulcimer, and I thought that the music sounded fantastic, especially with the orchestral accompaniment. I really enjoyed the show. I thought I would try out your new winter frequency, 6180 kHz. On most days, it is inaudible, but it sometimes comes through the, in the UK. But when it does, interference from neighboring stations makes reception very challenging. Below is a report for which please QSL if correct. Okay, well, thank you so much, Ellen Holder, for your report. And that was coming to us from, yes, Ellen Holder of England. We go over now to the Indian Ocean, where uh, René Grandin is writing to us from Réunion. The letter says, Dear sir or madam, it is with great pleasure that I report the reception of Radio Taiwan International from Baojong, Taiwan. I heard your station on November 16th, 2018, from 313 to 337 UTC on the frequency of 15320 kHz. The simple code for this transmission was 45433. So a mix of good and average. Under program details, it says, I really enjoyed listening to Radio Taiwan International. If the information in this report matches your station log, I would greatly appreciate to receive a QSL verification card or letter from you. Thank you very much for reading my report. I hope your engineers found it useful. Good luck and 73. And that comes to us once again from René Grandin, who's writing to us from Réunion in the Indian Ocean. All right, and here's one from Roger Tidy of England. Hello again. Although Christmas is still more than a month away, the shops here in London are already crammed with people looking for suitable presents to buy for their friends and family. And despite the fact that most people buy online these days, they still like the experience of visiting the city's department stores, which is much more exciting than sitting behind a keyboard. I'm no longer so excited by Christmas as I was when I was younger, and I positively dislike the short days and low temperatures associated with this time of year. It does, however, mean that I feel more inclined to listen to international radio, which these days usually means listening via a computer. The following report is for your broadcast of November 17th. Internet audio quality was perfect. Um, this week's Curious John spotlighted an indigenous ethnic group, namely the Talka people. It's spelled with an S, but I'm told on good authority that that's not pronounced. It's Oh, okay, got it. Who live on the plains of northwest Taiwan. 
John, who has often spoke about your country's ethnic minorities, noted that this group of people are not recognized by your government as an official indigenous group, and that although there have been recent suggestions that the government's attitude could change, the Talkat community do not think that the proposed changes are adequate. I also noted that John appeared critical of the literature on the Talkat, which he believed does not always give a correct impression of the current state of the community. Mm. Yeah, if you talk with people, they'll tell you things that sort of don't don't match up with what you'll read. Oh, um, what's documented? Yeah, uh-huh. I think maybe, maybe someone should go check that out. I don't know. That'll be you, John. <laughs> well, if you give me a budget, and I'm on my way. Okay. <laughs> Indeed, it seems from his report that the community, and if even its language, is not as moribund as some people imagine. This was an interesting feature that was not too heavy, and which presented the facts in an easily digested manner. Live from the studio, interesting as always, especially the interview with Shirley on some of the interesting people who have been guests on her in the Spotlight program. Feast Meets West, today's subject was Rice Krispies, including a popular Japanese version called Sembe. I enjoyed listening to this program, which was excellently presented by Andrew and Ellen. However, of the three programs I heard today, my favorite was Curious John because of its subject matter and the manner in which it succeeded in packing so much information in the allocated time and without sounding too academic, which can be a problem sometimes <laughs> in brackets. <laughs> Often. <laughs> yes, okay. Well, that's it from Roger Tide of England. Thank you so much. Yeehaw! It's a Facebook roundup. Okay. We're going to be cheating a little bit this week because there was one comment in particular that I wanted to get to that we missed last time. Uh, So we're going to go a bit further back than usual. Um, To November 14th, we had a video about a singing candidate for Taipei mayor. It was at a debate, too, you know? A televised. Yeah, well, people are still making covers of his song. (laughs) And uh, in in fact, I think a youth orchestra here actually did a cover of it. And it was beautiful. Right, yeah. Uh, They played... They. They had a full string section backing him up. Right, it sounded very professional. It has the makings of a pop hit. Anyway, you wrote something on this, actually. And yeah. Because I wanted to get your take on this. It says, so funny, and the first time hearing someone sing at a debate. I think you really want to make an impression and just try to stand out but, by singing on a debate. Right, but were you not there uh, about two years ago when, we've talked about this other candidate on here in Taiwan, the one who dresses up as the god of wealth every time we have an election and sings? Oh, Have you missed really? his performances? No, yeah, I think I missed that. Oh, uh, okay. that's something to see as well. And All he throws right. fake money too. Anyway, lots of singing candidates. Then on November 15th, though, we had a video about tourists going to Hehuanshan, which is a very beautiful place, and entering the danger zone just to take photos. Uh, Not yes. recommended. Moad Belgreed wrote, nice video splendor with a heart, but just don't enter the danger zones if you go there, I guess. Really? That's <laughs> if, a if you no come to Taiwan, no. yeah, stay behind the designated lines. Then on November 20th, we had our most recent post about uh, things you can see during an election, our Taiwan Top 10 post. Aslam Azmi wrote, I wish to... And then I guess you must have gotten lost in thought. So we're very <laughs> curious about what you wish to do. Uh, please get in touch and let us know. Okay. It's, it's time, time for, for Taiwan, Taiwan Top 10. 10. Uh. Elections. It is election season here in Taiwan. And at the time of recording, uh, this is still before the election. When it comes out, of course, it'll already, the results will all be out already. Uh, But at the time of recording, we still do not know how this election will turn out. So we're still very much in election fever mode here. We're we're getting ready to go. And uh, I suppose even after an election, it takes them a long time to take everything down, all the, you know, decorations and everything. Oh, that's true. So it's it's really probably still out on the streets everywhere you go by the time you're you're hearing this. We're not quite done with it yet. 
But it is the last Tuesday of the month, so today we're presenting number one in our series of things you can see during a Taiwanese election. Number one. Posters. It's very funny that some of our listeners have picked up on the fact that we haven't talked about posters yet. So what can you tell us about uh, Taiwanese election posters? They're quite something, aren't they? Yes. They have um, not just the candidates' names and the number and, and also the party they're affiliated with, but they also have a picture of their own self-portrait. Right. And what's special about these portraits? And this is something that I can honestly say I've, I've, I've seen elections a few places, not many, but I've never seen anything like a Taiwanese election post. What's special about them? Their poses? The candidates' poses. Oh yeah, my goodness. you can get a good laugh of them. <laughs> so, uh, the common ones are thumbs up. Okay, that's pretty normal. Uh, some variation on a peace sign. Um, people will make little hearts with their hands. Yes. Uh, I saw one candidate was carrying a torch. Okay. Like they have props sometimes. <laughs> And, or they have their arms crossed, they try and, you know, strike a very mm -hmm. strong sort of looking pose. Yeah, other than poses, I mean, there have been ones that were photoshopped so much that you couldn't recognize the person. Really? Yourself. Yeah. This was not this year, but it was like maybe the last time. Right. And like, I think we've talked about this in here in Taiwan too, but people get in trouble with copyright laws for trying to be a bit creative, but maybe infringing on some other people's trademarks. Yes. That happened with National Geographic and its logo this year. Uh, people trying to stand out by, there was one candidate who drew all over himself with a Sharpie <laughs> and made that his poster, uh, yeah. trying to make himself look as terrible as possible. There people, was someone also in their swimsuit. Two people in their swimsuits. Yes. There's a swimsuit competition <laughs> this year. People are just very creative. It's like everyone has to do the thumbs up thing, though. Or they, <laughs> they can't just like say, I, I am so-and-so and I approve this message. It has to be like, it needs to be like a staged photo shoot looking thing where everyone <laughs> has their fists in the air or something. There has to be something dramatic to it. Or cutesy. Uh huh. Or just show up in a swimsuit. Who knows? All right. Well, I hope you find it very interesting because I know John always has a good laugh over all those posters. <laughs> Why does everyone <laughs> need their poses? Little, everyone making little hearts. It's, a, it's like this is an election, guys. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, that's it for the month of November since uh, we've been having this election month. But uh, do join us next month for a new topic. And it will be the last month of the year. I can't believe time flies. Oh my goodness, it does. Yes, I know. But in the meantime, we'd love so much to hear from you. So please write us letters. Our address is PO Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. Our email address is rti at rti.org.tw. And of course, you can always find us on Facebook. We look forward to reading your comments there. All right, we'll see you in December. I'm Shirley Lin. I'm John Van Trieste. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for staying with us here today at Radio Taiwan International. I'm Andrew Ryan, back once again in the studio with Natalie So and Jake Chen, and we're going to leave you with one more thing. Now, as promised, if you listen to today's Here in Taiwan, you'll know that we were talking about some very stressful feelings post-election. We had elections here in Taiwan on Saturday, and a lot of people are 
pretty upset. Uh, well, I shouldn't say a lot of people. I would say roughly fifty percent or right. less. <laughs> Although I think a lot of people are upset because um, you know there were a lot of issues. So yeah. you may be happy about some of them. You may be sad about some of them. So actually, maybe more than fifty percent of the people are unhappy with in some way, shape, or form or another. So we were talking about some ways to deal with post-election stress, and actually, you have another study there about social media. And uh, some of the benefits you can get from escaping from social media. Right. Uh, this is the latest study uh, conducted by the Pennsylvania State University in the U.S. And uh, they uh, split a group of students up uh, into two control groups. One of them uses all the social media platforms, your Facebooks, your Instagrams, and Snapchats, as usual. The second one is kept to 30 minutes per day. And uh, they measure. That's still a lot. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't, think I don't I know. Like yeah. fast I, I, I set mine at fi- twenty minutes per day because you can now set your phone oh. with limits if you have an iPhone. Oh. I set mine to twenty minutes per day for Facebook and uh, Twitter. And this, the really sad thing is, because <laughs> I go to bed late, so I use up my 20 minutes before I fall asleep the night before, <laughs> so then I can't use it all day today. <laughs> I can't get on until like I'm lying in bed at night tonight. <laughs> I'm seeing anxiety, and anxiety is one of the seven parameters in measure oh. among these uh, college students. You don't know the half of it, Jake. <laughs> I'm a ball of anxiousness, anxiety, yeah. Right. So, uh, so what else did they find? Um, so they measured uh, seven parameters uh, after uh, they kept these students for you know thirty minutes a day for uh, a number of weeks. Uh, so they measure anxiety, uh, the level of social support that they feel, the level of loneliness, uh, the level of self discipline, and I just love these internet uh, acronyms: FOMO, fear, fear of, of missing out. out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have a huge amount of that. Oh, yeah. I get that when I'm on Facebook. Yes, yeah, so so you see like people on fun vacations. Parties you weren't invited to. Europe and (laughs) and and, uh, Facebook and Instagrams are designed to um, by programming to forward those photos to you much more so than the other ones. We'll talk about it later because they know you're sitting at home. Yeah, Uh, and oh, (laughs) I know. So um, wait. So I have to say. So I would assume, and and correct me if I'm wrong. I would assume that you would have a higher, a lower feeling of loneliness if you're on Facebook because you'd be connecting to all these people, right? Uh, and actually, no. After a number of weeks of limited use on all so- major social media platforms, the fear, the sense of loneliness uh, significantly dropped among the second control group, the group wow. that's being controlled. Yeah. And uh, self-discipline just rocketed sky high. Uh, well, that I would guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anxiety dropped. Huh, uh, that the makes fe- sense. feeling of social support increased. So basically, wow. all the positive uh, parameters increased and all the negative ones dropped. Wow. Let's throw out our show social media. Then. Yeah, wow. and it is not surprising. I uh, recently read on my own time this article from the Washington Post. Um, uh, this uh, lady, Bailey Richardson, one of the 13 original employees of Instagram, uh, left Instagram and deleted her own account. What? She yeah. deleted her account? What for? Yeah, and she said uh, after Instagram was bought by Facebook, there is this internal effort, a team from Facebook, that tweaked uh, every aspect of the app so that it would attract more people. And uh, it sort of lose the original flavor of, of the app. You know, it's no longer a, a platform that, that encourages people to share their personal moments anymore. It's more so, uh, like you said, a platform to, to encourage that sense of, you know, wealth competition a lot of the photos of people on vacation and not to mention all the celebrity photos got moved got boosted in terms of popularity wow and and that got people hooked but in a very unhealthy way 
I'm depressed, but I'm uh, encouraged to take action. We can control our social media use. Absolutely. Thanks for those stories, Jake. And uh, if you listener, if you have any experiences with us, why don't you send us a letter? PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Send us an email, rti at rti.org.tw. On behalf of the English Service, I'm Andrew Ryan, wishing you a wonderful rest of your day. For listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kilohertz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kilohertz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.